thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, episode number 69, with Lizzie Williamson from Two Minute Moves. Now, dubbed by Best Self Magazine as the excuse buster from down under, Lizzie Williamson is on a mission to help people integrate little moments of movement into their day. Lizzie is a personal trainer, event energizer, speaker, and author of Two Minute Moves, where she shares her personal journey of overcoming depression through the joy of movement. Her Two Minute Moves workouts make exercise possible when it feels impossible and have been featured on Studio 10, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and more. You can hang out with Lizzie on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and her website, Two Minute Moves. That's T-W-O MinuteMoves.com. Now, I had the delightful pleasure of meeting Lizzie at the Wellness Summit in 2019 in Williamstown in Melbourne. And she was our events energizer. And what a cracking weekend it was. Amazing inspirational speakers. But you are sat on your bottom for a long period of time. And you do start to get no matter how inspiring speakers are, you do get to feel a wee bit tired and sleepy when you just sat down all day. And I'm always oh, just joyfully reminded of this joy that is within us just from busting out a few moves. I even got on stage with Lizzie and Wendy from Wendy's Way and Andrea Huddleston and Dr. M. And we busted out some moves. I think we were doing it to Whitney Houston. It was like aerobics from the 90s when I used to be an aerobics instructor. It's just so much fun. And um, I do love just busting out some moves. It's a real vibration shifter. So especially if you do not feel like it, that is the best time to have them to do some crazy moves. And it doesn't, you don't have to get changed. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to wear any special clues or, you know, like, I don't know, like I've, I've come from a real formal exercise background where, you know, you've got to clock so many sessions or classes or number of minutes per week to make it feel like you're actually doing anything. And now, (laughs) with the benefit of wisdom of age and hindsight, I can see that that whole approach to exercise isn't overly sustainable. I actually think that for me, looking back, probably contributed to my health demise from overdoing it. So, you know, I think now I actually clock my movement with an aura ring, which is 
O-U-R-A. Um, and I'm surprised at how much movement you do, even if you don't leave the house. Just, you know, pottering around, cleaning up the house, sorting out some washing, moving around. I mean, most of my day now is sat at a desk, to be honest. But I don't sit down for very long. I'm up down, emptying the dishwasher, going to the chuck pen, go for a walk, go for, to lie in the sun. You know, it really, um, it does break it up. So you're going to love Lizzie's story because when you look at her, you think, mm, she's perfect. It's all right for her. But it actually wasn't always all right for her. And she is going to really um, blow you away, I reckon, in this interview with her very vulnerable and open and honest share of her experience of postnatal depression and what she did to um, to get out of it and to turn things around. Um, obviously, it's it's different for every individual and Lizzie does mention some great uh, resources and numbers to ring if uh, you're feeling uh, postnatal depression definitely reach out and get some help but I think what you're going to relate to is how Lizzie um, yeah you, you'll see you'll see you'll see in the story you'll find out now before we jump into the interview I would love to just introduce if you don't already know Primal Alternative to you. So Primal Alternative is a grain-free food range. So very similar to Lizzie's story, I discovered uh, grain-free living in a way to um, reclaim my health and then wanted to help other people with their um, healing. And um, because people were time poor and just felt so overwhelmed, I offered to make some grain-free primal alternatives to the foods they were really missing. So in our range now, we've got breads, pizza bases, cookies, jellies, quirky cooking pastries, and we also do a wrap with Pete Evans. So we've got lunchbox-friendly, nut-free options. We've got dairy and egg-free vegan options. We've got low-carb keto options as well. So really whatever shade of paleoprimal ancestral eating you have, we've got something for you. Even fussy kids and dubious husbands. Give them the pizza bases and the chocolate chip cookies and they won't even know that they are made with whole food, real alternatives. So um, if you are interested in shopping our range, check out our online store. Uh, also you might want to check out a local farmer's market where we'll have one of our producers there, or you might want to see if there's a local health food shop, cafe, independent grocer, gourmet pizza shop, that kind of thing near you. So you can find our stockists, our producers, which we call primalistas and our online store all at primalalternative.com. Now, if you have got a passion for clean living and you'd love to have your own business in the wellness industry like myself and Lizzie and the Primalistas, then you might be interested in becoming a Primal Alternative producer. So all you need to do is to have a passion for clean living. You've got to love baking and you need to be looking for a business that you can do from home or even in a commercial kitchen in your community. Um, and just have that real desire to want to go out and help others and contribute 
to the household income at the same time. You're not on your own when you're a primalista. There is an awesome sisterhood community of other women just like you who are, you know, facing their fears and starting their own business in the whole food industry. So it's all been tried and tested and done before. So in terms of risk and support, there really is, oh, and investment. Um, there really is, um, this is a really cool option to consider if, if this is what you want to do. So you can find out more about that at primalalternative.com forward slash license. And if you like what you see, you just need to apply for your Primalista um, license. There's also an opportunity to have a chat with me. I'm H, I'm the founder. Uh, if you want to run through any specifics relating to your situation and your business viability. All right. Well, we are going to jump into our chat with the wonderful Lizzie. Let's go. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. Lizzie, it's so cool to have you here. Great to be here. <laughs> now, you and I met at the Wellness Summit where you were our get off your seat and move your body inspirational motivator. Um, and it was such a joy to meet you. Um, but before we get into all things Lizzie Williamson, Tell us what you had for breakfast. Well, I took my blender container and I went out to my front little garden and opened up this veggie pod that we managed to get from the side of the street a few months ago. And then I just look at this beautiful veggie pod full of green things and I say, Good morning, Kale. You look wonderful. Aren't you doing great? And I picked mm-hmm. up some kale and I said the same thing to the spinach. My children think I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had some mint in there as well. And then I took that inside, put a banana in there, some frozen mango, and then whiz it all up with a bit of water and had a beautiful, delicious smoothie. And this mint taste was just incredible this morning. My mint is going off. So I'm very happy. That sounds delicious. And mint is good for just going off and and growing all over the place. Um, And so good for you. And just, yeah, I love mint. It's one of those old faithful herbs that anyone can grow. It's a really, really cool one. And I love how you've salvaged your vegetable pod from the side of the street. The stuff people took away, right? Can't believe it. Those things are worth hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You did good, Lizzie. You did good. Now you, you, you. You, tell, you can tell just from listening to you, like, you know, someone who's like saying good morning to the spinach and the kale, that you're a very happy person, <laughs> but it wasn't always like that, was it, Lizzie? Like t- t- talk us through your journey of postnatal depression. Yes. It came as such a shock to me when I had a baby and a toddler. I was always a very positive person. I could really see the, you know, the blue sky when it was all clouds up there. And I was always able to, I don't know, make myself feel good in some way. And I arrived at this time of my life where not even the, you know, the biggest kind of get over it, talk to myself was getting me over it. I was so overwhelmed. I felt so stuck and incapable of doing anything. I felt so angry so much of the time, so much so that I was punching the brick walls in my little terrace that I lived in at the time as I was walking up the stairs because one of my 
girls were screaming out. I was just doing things that I felt so not like myself, picking up my toddler and just wanting to shake her and scream, screaming at her. I would hold my baby in my arms at the, the top of this terrace and next to the window and just think about throwing her out the window. Dark, dark thoughts, including mm. this constant mantra I had in my head, which was, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. And that was kind of on repeat. And I kept saying to myself those words, just get over it. What is wrong with you? Look at all the things that you have. You should feel so lucky. You've got no right to be feeling this way with all that you have, healthy children, a husband, a roof over my head, et cetera, et cetera. But no matter what I said to myself, I wasn't kind of able to move through this very, very dark cloud that I was in. Wow. That's just full on, full on and relatable and scary. So what did you do to, to turn it around? Well, my husband pretty much ended up begging me to go and see a doctor because I wasn't going to get any help because of like the reasons I just said. And I felt like such a failure as a mom and going to see a doctor was like an admission of that failure. I was really scared that she would just say to me, you know, oh, there's nothing. What's going on with you? Like, you know, look how lucky you are. You, you, mm. You're fine. Get on with it. And I think that's the reason as well that I didn't call, you know, I could have called Lifeline um, and now there's Panda, Perinatal Anxiety, Depression Australia, there's Gidget, there's numbers that you can call and I didn't call them because I felt like I wasn't a good enough case. I wasn't, I guess, worthy of the help because there were so many other people out there that I felt was so much worse off than me. But I did finally go and see a doc my doctor because my husband said to me, you know, when you're you falling apart means this whole family is falling apart. And he's like, please go and get some help. And I think that was just that idea of the family just falling apart where I finally, you know, got on the phone, made an appointment with my doctor, went and saw her. And she was the one who said, you know, this, what you're experiencing is real. This is something called postnatal depression. And she gave me various treatment options. And she also said to me, you know, when you hear something at a certain amount of time and you might have heard it so many times before, but someone just says it to you and it just lands. And what she said to me was the whole, you know, when you get on a plane and they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before assisting others, that's what you have to do, she said to me. And I think there was something about hearing those words, something about her saying, this isn't, this is nothing wrong with you in terms of this isn't you failing as a mom like this is something that is not only happening to you this happens to other women it's okay and you can go and there, there is a way through this there's a journey out of this this way that you are feeling wow so what what was your what was your your plan of action i mean and thank goodness that you you know you found a doctor who took you seriously and, and let you know that you're not on your own and it's real and that there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is something that you can do about it. So what did you do? Well, I decided that I was going to 
find this oxygen mask thing. I was pretty desperate. And so I remember coming home and I sat on my bed and um, I thought, okay, right, what can this oxygen mask thing be? And I had a, probably had a few minutes before I knew all my family was going to burst in the door. And I thought, okay, well, I can try and do some home workouts, some exercise because I used to be a dancer. I used to love to move my body and I kind of had stopped doing anything like that for me. You know, I felt like what made me a good mum was doing everything for everyone else Mm -hmm. and being selfless. Um, And so I kind of stopped putting any focus back on any type of self-care for myself. And I guess I just felt like in that moment I had to just dig pretty deep to find any sense of grit or motivation to take some form of action. I'll I'll tell you, and I I, I kind of hesitate saying this bit of the story, I suppose, because everyone is very different. Um, everyone how they're feeling, how they are able to treat themselves, what their doctor says, etc., is very different. But I had the prescription for the antidepressants that the doctor had given me and I had put it there on my bedside table and there was something about looking at those. I thought, right, this is real. You try try something first and if that doesn't work, then then take the antidepressants um, because I had um, new friends and other family that were taking antidepressants. It wasn't any judgment on it at all. It was just something inside me went, just try one little thing and if that doesn't work, then you've always got um, that's your option number two. And so yeah, I just sort of felt this little bit of grit and, um, and then that's when I went, okay, I'll do this home workout. So the next day I put a, an episode of, of Sesame Street or something on for my girls and I went to my kitchen bench. I thought, right, even though this is the last thing I feel like doing, I'm just going to do this home workout. I've got about 20 minutes. Let's go. I'm going to use my ballet. The kitchen bench is a ballet bar. And so I started doing some of the ballet moves I used to do every morning before I'd go to school, you know, plies, leg bends, all that sort of stuff. And I, it was like a couple of minutes later, of course, I was doing something for myself. And of course, that's your children's cue to scream out to you. Mm-hmm. Something had gone wrong. <laughs> and I was like, okay, my first instinct was, well, that doesn't work for me, mm. uh, this whole oxygen mask home workout thing. I don't, you know, I'm never going to get the time to be able to do it and uh, my kids are here. I felt like I was, you know, being eaten alive by them. And, <laughs> um, and you know, like they're always yeah. sort of on me and yes. it's like I can't do anything for myself. But I don't know, there was just something in that moment and I actually really remember it which was this feeling of, ah, but it's just feeling of hope, little feeling of hope. It wasn't like a big fireworks going off. Here is something that I could actually do for me. And, yes, it was only, you know, a few minutes, but there's something about that that felt good. I could come back tomorrow and do this little, you know, little couple of minutes, little two-minute thing, Um, and that's what I ended up doing because it felt really achievable not only with my you know situation with kids and everything that was going on but also I guess achievable in terms of talking myself into doing something because what 
I only realized for the first time having experienced such darkness was that, you know, when you are in that situation, people will tell you and you just kind of know that exercise is one of the best things that you can do in amongst a whole lot of other pieces of the treatment pie. But it's the last thing that a lot of us feel like doing mm. when we're there. So it's like, ah, have, you just don't want to do it. Even the thought of, you know, getting up um, and, and going for a walk or having a dance, whatever it is, just feels way too hard. And so there was just, I was like, I can do that two minutes, commit to doing that every day. And if that's all you do, well, at least you've done something. And that something is so much better than nothing because of that sense of achievement and because of that momentum that then starts to build. So did you feel better just from that two minutes of movement? I felt, I, well, I, I guess better. I mean, better than what I was. I don't, I don't know. No, I don't I, mean I was like, was, was that your, I don't mean like your two minutes of plies cured your dark depression. Like, I, don't <laughs> mean, I don't mean that at all. Absolutely not. But did you feel all of the benefits that you feel from dancing, you know, maybe when you were um, a dancer, you danced for longer, but did you get that same feeling? I mean, we all know that feeling of moving your body and how good it feels. Was that a Yes. Two minutes. Yes, it was. All right. That's, well, certainly at the beginning, it was like a glimpse of it. I felt that yeah. glimpse of. Flicker of hope. Even maybe it was just probably a, set, a flicker. Yeah, that's what it was like. It's like, <laughs> Um, and then, you know, then that rest of the day was still hard. Um, but then I came back the next day and I think because I was starting to do something myself, just getting those little benefits of even a couple of minutes of movement, because you think two minutes isn't very long, but when you're doing, say you decide to do two minutes of push-ups at your kitchen bench, that two minutes is it that's ages. quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's ages. Um, a little two-minute jog on the spot. It was like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a pretty long time yeah. as well. So there's just um, there's something that happens even in that small amount of time. But what's even better than that in a way is that it often, for me, it just kept happening and happening because I thought, yes, I can, I can do two minutes. Yeah, no, it's very achievable. And the reality is that, you know, I can really relate to your story, Lizzie, and I'm sure a lot of people are, especially when you're in that um, preschool kids phase of they just literally are eating you alive. It really does feel like they're literally pouring you and crawling all over you. And I remember um, seeing some pictures of one of my friends who was trying to do yoga and she was trying to do a triangle pose and one kid came over and fished a boob out and started having a feed and the other one was just like, oh, my God. Just leave me alone. I just want some time away. So we can all relate, but two minutes is so achievable. So you've gone on from being, you know, Lizzie Williamson, I'm going to kill myself, to now being this on the stage, at conferences, at the Wellness Summit, you know, on amazing shows like Studio 10, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and so many more. You've even got an amazing, beautiful book, um, which I've got a signed copy of two minute moves how did you go from lizzie dark depression to lizzie changing the world inspiring other people with her own book oh never would i have imagined when i would be there sitting on my floor back against the wall thinking these really dark thoughts 
that I would somehow take what I had learnt, what I was learning and doing these little workouts and it would grow into what it's become. And it started really organically. I had, was hearing about you know, friends and friends of friends that were suffering with their mental health. And so I thought, right, I can do like a little dodgy video of me doing this couple of minutes, these little moves I was doing that just mm -hmm. felt really good. It involves, you know, when you, when you exercise, when you move, you, you do some good deep breaths sometimes. You can really get that feeling of strength, of empowerment, of endorphins. So I thought, okay, I can just, this can be a little something that I can offer someone who I know is struggling because you know what it's like when you learn something yourself that helps you so much. You can see the power of it. It's like you have to, you know, you have to share it with, with others in a really, um, in the right kind of respectful kind of way. So that's what I started doing. And then social media came to be. So I thought, right, I can put these, uh, these, these workouts up on, on all the various platforms that were now available to me. I remember walking along the beach once, once and thinking to myself, okay, if I could do anything with my work, what would I do? And it was just loud and clear. This voice was like, I would film these two minute workouts and get them out to the world. And so that's how it began. Um, then when I did a five year plan, I, I sort of writing all down and looking at my vision and where I wanted to be and it became really apparent to me that I needed to have a book to be able to um, spread the message more, to be, be able to get up on stage, on TV, all the things that I love because obviously I was a dancer so I'm a performer mm. and um, so wrote the book every morning at 5am for an hour. I'd go out walking or jogging and voice memo it that, that night, type it up. At the end of the year I had a book and then I pitched it to publishers, got a publisher, got that out and then that did what I wanted it to do which gave me, um, it opened up some doors to get bigger platforms, um, you know, bigger stages, conferences, events, TV, that sort of thing and I love it. I believe in it so much and I feel very, very um, happy to have done all this work from that time when I was at rock bottom to now to get so clear on what it is that I feel like I can do to help lift other people up. Yeah, it's so inspiring. And I think that, um, you know, I love your oxygen mask um, analogy and I, I know that's in the book as well, uh, which is really cool. And um, you, you did that, you, you looked after Lizzie, but then I think once we get to that point where we're feeling better, we hit that point um, which I think is actually a self-transcendence where we think, right, oh my goodness, I have to share this with the world. How can I get this out and help other people who are feeling like me? And I, and I almost think that that going out and helping others um, really is a catalyst for our own health as well. Did you find that as well, that to take it next level and to make other people feel better made you feel better? Oh, definitely. I mean, having that purpose certainly makes me feel fulfilled, happier, driven. I, I really love having that purpose to be able to say, get up on stage and share your story in some way and, and have someone then come up to you and, and give you a hug and, and say that was where I was at and I thought I was so alone. I thought I was the only one who was feeling that because I think when I first 
started out in the you know the fitness and health industry I thought that I had to have it all together to for anyone to take me seriously and for me to be able to help anybody and I just saw when I started being much more vulnerable and open how wrong I was uh, to think that if I was to get up and go right I've got it all together and I've learned this, this and this and I never struggle anymore and I never struggled so I've got all the answers, here's what you got to do boring. compared to <laughs> boring, compared yeah. to, yeah, this is, this is where I've been. It might be a bit different from where you've been or it might be a bit similar but I know what it is to struggle to, to actually do this whole exercise thing and um, so hopefully I can have some kind of more understanding of, of how I can help you. And I still, and I still struggle. I, you know, I, obviously I'm on this call with you and, and I'm just so happy to be here. Mm. I'm happy when I lift up my veggie pods and my kale. But I have other times where I'm not feeling that great at all and start to feel myself go in a bit of that downward spiral. And I think the difference is now that that is my cue to myself to say okay what are your tools what can you do now to just at least help yourself not go even further down this down spiral and sometimes for me that is making a commitment every night to do 20 push-ups at my kitchen bench so I feel just that little bit stronger um, a commitment to do a couple of minutes of meditation every day or just you know some little walk or just some sort of movement often for me when I'm feeling getting really down, that is my cue that I need to dance and I need to get on a song either with my girls or by myself when I'm cooking, di kitchen, cooking dinner in the kitchen and start dancing. So it's not like I, I don't I'm sort of gone past feeling that darkness and downness. I'm not, I'm not sure whether any of us have, but it's nice to kind of go, all right, I know what works and for me, and I see this work for, you know, so many other people as well. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, and I, and I agree. It's, it's having those little anchors that I see them as um, throughout the day, whether it's, you know, a little meditation bite or even just a deep breath when you can feel yourself getting drawn into that overwhelm or that, you know, um, irritation or that anger just to actually have a step back or, you know, even just step outside barefoot. It's just these tiny little two-minute things that you can do that make all the difference, whereas I think we've all been raised on this real all-or-nothing mentality, whereas I remember, like, I would work in, like, do housework for about four hours at home, like, on the floor, scrubbing the floor, but I wouldn't classify that as movement or exercise, and I'd be completely exhausted from scrubbing the decks, and then I'd get in the car and drive to the gym, and I would only count <laughs> the time spent at the gym as exercise. Um, and that, isn't that just that crazy all-or-nothing mentality that we've got? And I love um, how you really debunk the all-or-nothing exercise mindset. So could you... Tell us a little bit about why that is just ridiculous and the way that we can sort of get ourselves out of that mindset and, and really count all of the little things that we do as movement. There are so many rules, don't you think, when it comes mm. to exercise. So for you, your yeah. rules like, well, exercise has to look like this. It has to me going to the gym, doing this certain workout, that's my exercise. Or some people's little exercise rule <laughs> might be, 
unless I am, you know, have this certain equipment or something, then that's not exercise, certain location, certain intensity. And I think that we can get really trapped in this idea of what exercise has to look like. And if we can't do that, then for some reason, rather than do a little something or classify, you know, know that housework, know that any kind of movement is good for us, um, then we, we do nothing. You know, if you look in your diary and go, oh, gosh, no, no time for exercise today, we don't sort of think to ourselves, okay, well, what about when I'm checking Instagram or Facebook, I do 20 squats and then what about when I'm hanging out the washing, I pick up the washing basket and lift that up and down 20 times uh, what about when I'm, you know, walking my dog and, and every time it stops to do a sniff, I'll do a little jog on the spot or something. We just think, oh, well, we can't do it. And I think it's it's a few things. I mean, exercise, it's like even just, I don't know, it just feels like a chore sometimes, this whole exercise thing. I wish we could kind of get rid of that name and just call it movement. Mm. And, yeah, so it's like this, this bit of this chore, bit of a punishment the, you often hear about, you know, you've got to burn off what you've eaten. Yeah. You've got to exercise to burn off what you've eaten. So it's a punishment uh, for eating a certain way. It's a, it, we use it to try and change and fix our bodies. And if that doesn't happen at the pace we want or ever, then we just think, oh, well, there's no, this exercise thing doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, and so I think we are quite programmed to have this, have exercise as, as all or nothing. And I think that was, I was so surprised when I started doing these little workouts that they actually did something. Because <laughs> so I was like, you know, I had people say that to me all the time, like two minutes, really? What's, what's two minutes going to do? Because for us, exercise, you know, has to do this certain thing and, and change our bodies and give us a six pack and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I was quite surprised myself what I could achieve in two minutes and how I could find all these little moments throughout my day to do little things and how they actually added up. And I could find things like you're talking about, like like housework or dancing or something that didn't involve going to the gym. And if, if you know, if I got to the gym or if someone goes to the gym, that's brilliant, but it's also really important then that if you are sitting down for the rest of your day and not being active or standing still, that you're still moving your body in some way because research tells us that even if you, you know, you do have your gym in the morning and then you're sedentary for the rest of the day, it's probably not enough to, that session's probably not enough to counteract like the negative impact that comes from being sedentary. Yeah. So how, what are some of the ways, because I mean, it's okay if you work from home, uh, you can just, you know, bust out some dancing, but if you work in an office, um, you can't really do that without people raising eyebrows. So have you got some ideas of how we, <laughs> unless you want to get fired, um, can you think of some ways that we could break up sitting in the day, especially for people who are confined to an office space? I, even just something as simple as standing up off your chair can be really great for your body just to give those hip flexors and lower back a little bit of a a break. So if you are on the phone, for example, standing up while you're on the phone, if you send an email, you press send, just take a little habit of standing up, quick stretch, arms up towards the ceiling, 
sitting back down again. If it's if you're looking around going, there's just no way I could do any, you know, type of buster move, squat type of thing, then little moments like that to stretch, even if you are on your chair and you cannot get up off your chair, you can take a really gentle twist around, like say you're looking over your left shoulder and you twist towards the left and then look back over your right shoulder as you come around the other side. So you can just do little moves there, reach arm up and um, one arm up and the other arm up. I think we can give ourselves a whole bunch of excuses of why we can't uh, move our bodies throughout the day. But I just think it is really possible if we you know, delve into those excuses a little bit, going, okay, can I just stand up? Can every half an hour I, you know, I walk over to, to somewhere and, and fill up my water or something like that? What little ways can, can I move? Because there's a lot of research telling us that even these couple of minutes makes a, quite a significant impact on our, on our memory, um, on our creativity. Just need to, if you just look up the TED Talks even on, on memory, creativity, they all talk about movement, what it does to your productivity, that fresh flow of oxygen to your brain. And it, um, so, yeah, even just like a little, I don't know, like if you're at work, like a little walk on the spot, a little walk somewhere. I do have people I know that have sent me videos of them doing their two-minute moves in the bathroom, <laughs> which is some of my favourite videos I've, I've ever I've ever received. But yeah, it's just that idea of, you know, a little every half hour, every hour or little cues like when you're on the phone you've, after you've sent an email, how can you just stretch moves so your body just doesn't stay in that one position all day? It really doesn't like that very much. Yeah, it's so true. And I just, I love your book because it really um, busts a lot of those exercise excuses like, you know, I'm feeling too tired or I hate exercise or all of those um, common things. And, I, and the one that I particularly love is the, um, the wine bottle workout that you've got. So you've got a whole, whole body um, workout with a couple of bottles of wine, which you can drink afterwards, assumingly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I knew you were going to say that one. And what I love about the wine bottles, one, it busts at the excuse of, oh, I don't have any equipment. Because mm. if you lift up a couple of bottles and have them out in front of you with your elbows slightly bent, shoulder height, and lifted those up and down, after not very long, you're going to start heavy. to feel that in your biceps and your triceps. And the other thing I love about the wine bottle workout is it just doesn't take exercise very too seriously. Mm. It's like, you know, this can actually be quite, you know, quite fun, like lifting up a couple of bottles. It's really nice if you make it a bit of a, a little habit in some way. My mum will go for when she goes for a walk and then she comes home and she's got a couple of bottles there on her kitchen bench and she walks into the kitchen and she lifts them up straight away and just does a couple of, of little moves and oh, if, you, if you, she looks amazing, her arms, her triceps, everything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so little cues like that is good and just looking at, yeah, how can we make this a little bit more fun with wine bottles, with music, with dancing, um, with our kids? What can we do to lighten it all up? Just to lighten it up, absolutely. Like I, I really, you know, I just really feel that movement is, is just play and we're meant to play as adults and we take it too seriously. Like you say, getting your gym bag ready, driving half an hour to, uh, to a place, putting on special clothes, 
to move in and then you know paying money to, to work out inside in a building like with so many like electromagnetic fields and all of the other things involved with that when you really could just like save so much time and just have a little jig or a dance at home or like you say all of the brilliant um, all of the brilliant tips that you've you've shared and if you want to grab more of them obviously your book is just gorgeous and so fun and you're just gorgeous inside and out oh look at. thank you look I think you've got to um, find what works for you yeah. and for some people you know there are days where the gym and all those things work for them but then there are other days that maybe your kids get sick or you've been up all, all night for some reason um, you're just not feeling very motivated and so that is a really great time as well to use that two-minute philosophy of saying okay I, I can't do all of this today but what I'm going to do is a little something because that's just is so much better than nothing absolutely it's it's so true. So just going back um, a step slightly, Lizzie, um, when you were talking about your treatment pie, obviously exercise was a real key part of you regaining your mental health. Um, were there any other parts of your treatment pie that had a significant impact, for example, like the food you were eating or the time you spent outside? Because I noticed in your book there's quite um, – a lot of beautiful, clean food. There's a lot of emphasis down at the beach and outside in, in the greenery. So are those, would you say, for you, um, that was an important part of your, your healing journey as well? Yeah, I think what happened was the exercise was my first thing and because I started doing that, I felt like I was talking about the little feeling of achievement, my self-worth grew a little bit and started just sort of feeling that little bit better. And so then I decided that it would be good for me to see a psychologist. So I went to a psychologist and I started talking to, to friends and because I was feeling better, I was no longer, I was looking at, um, you know, the crust, you know, the soggy crust of my kids' food that that kind of used to be what I would eat. And I thought, I don't want that anymore. Mm. I think there was something about that change of how I was uh, probably valuing myself and valuing those moments of giving back to myself. And so I really did feel a shift in the way that I was eating and giving myself a little bit more time. So chopping up those vegetables in the morning so, and cooking some extra sweet potato at night so that I could actually quickly grab myself, uh, you know, a beautiful salad that only took me a couple of minutes to make. Um, same goes with, you know, with breakfast, just giving myself a bit more time and, and nourishment with that. Um, so that was, a, that was definitely a really big part of it and just the social nature of it as well, how I very slowly started to talk to other people and mm. share that I wasn't actually coping. I didn't tell many people um, those early days because I still felt a lot of shame about it. It took me a long time to get over that shame, uh, probably, I, I, you know, about um, – you know, seven years or something, wow. um, six, seven years when I finally decided to forgive myself. But, um, but yeah, so all of those, those, those little um, things, the food definitely, movement and the, 
the sharing, the talking, that seeking a bit more help. When I went and saw someone, a professional, she told me about mindfulness and mm-hmm. taught me about that. So I, you know, my really dark days, I would walk through the supermarket and I would just practice that the mindful techniques. There's a box of cereal. It's got the, you know, a red K on it. There's take down the aisle of, you know, of the supermarket here that just constantly just using that mindfulness. Look at the trees. The leaves are, um, are quite green. They're blow, the branches are blowing. Um, so I would use that kind of mindfulness to try mm. and, and stop myself from spiraling, spiraling. Wow. A very, very helpful, just little. And it really is, isn't it? It's like an accumulation of little changes, little changes in in habits and um, things that we can do that can really make such a massive impact when when it all comes together so beautifully as it has done for you. And Lizzie... Yeah, and using those cues, I think that that a cue, like if I could hear, if I felt myself say something really dark to myself and like, right, mindfulness, go, exercise, go. Yeah, mm. it's like what tools have I got in my bag for this one? And, and, and they're great tools to have because life just keeps life in and it's not like you get, you get through this dark time and I'm so glad you've been so honest and open with your sharing to say that you're, you're not this crazy happy woman every day who's you know, loving her kale. Some days, some days, you know, it's not, it's not as bright and sunny and that's fine and that's normal. But what have we got to move through those feelings, you know, acknowledge those feelings, feel them and acknowledge any messages there, but to move through them and not get stuck there. Um, which is- yes, and that's what's so great about movement, isn't it? You literally yeah. can move through your feelings. I used to do that anger that I was feeling, yeah. and I still sometimes feel with kids, oh, my God, and <laughs> I would just do my shadow boxing where I punch out in front of me or kick side to side, and I can mm. actually feel myself moving through those mm. feelings because I'm a real suppressor. Like I will push, push down feelings. I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's great, I'm this calm, wonderful mother and then boom, yeah. explode. <laughs> and I sort of, you know, learning and have learned a bit more through that if I can use movement to, to actually go, ah, I've got to get this out, oh, I've got to yeah. calm myself down, I need to just roll down to, you know, and before we started this podcast, I was just here and just rolled down towards my toes, bent my knees a little bit and just hung there for a bit, just and just let that blood flow to my head, the weight of the world off my shoulders, nice slow roll up. And I was like, whoa, that feels better. And, mm. and you know, that didn't, that didn't take long at all. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take long at all. And I've got to um, thank you so much for your contribution to just – Oh, just making movement fun again and um, making it doable. And it's just so refreshing to be able to just have two minutes of doing something fun. Like, and even like when I saw with the wine bottles, you know, like you kind of make sure you raise your eyebrows. Like, oh, are we allowed to use wine bottles? Is, don't we have to go and buy kettlebells from somewhere? And I'm like, it's fine, of course, if you want to do it with kettlebells. But there are so many things that you can you can um, move with, but so I'm just sort of coming to the end now, Lizzie, but there's two uh, main questions I want to ask you. The first one, seeing as we're talking about wine, is what's Lizzie Williamson's take on the three great areas of squeaky clean living, which are chocolate, coffee, and alcohol? Well, I listened to your amazing podcast on addiction, Mm. and a lot of that resonated with me because... Chocolate, I love it 
but I cannot, I don't have a stop valve on it. <laughs> and so I have it, I have too much of it. And at the end of the week, I'm just really annoyed with myself. Wine, I don't have that. Wine, I can have a glass and I'm, I can just stop and I'm fine, don't feel bad about it. In fact, my friends call me one more because they're always like, please have one more. Let yourself <laughs> go of it because I'm kind of terrified. I hate that hungover feeling. I hate yeah. that down. I hate that fuzziness. Um, coffee, I've, I've never drunk. I've just never, never liked it. That's the reason I haven't really ever um, drunk it. So I was presented yesterday at a, a conference with two bottles of wine at the end after you know, getting everyone up and moving all day. And the MC said, oh, I feel a bit bad, you know, um, giving you this, this wine because you're a fitness person. And if I'm at the, you know, my shop and I'll, you know, I'll get some chocolate or get some bread or bananas, people go, wow, you eat that stuff? Yeah. I thought you wouldn't eat anything. So I think there is this misconception that to be um you know uh be fit be healthy it's like you and be in this industry that you must have to be perfect yes. and i hate the whole perfection thing i had such disordered eating when i was a dancer and such body demons and so the whole thing of wine chocolate you know anything becoming the the enemy uh really um uh, it starts to um, to you know screw with my mind a little bit. So my my take on it is to be to have it and love it and feel great about it. And if um, and if you're not feeling great about it um, in some kind of way, so for me it's chocolate. Then I just have to give it up. And so that's what I do. And then I come back and I, you know binge on it um, every now and then um, and then I go back to that, you know, really just, just not having that really in my life anymore unless someone presents me with a beautiful, um, dark, you know, gorgeous cacao chocolate. But unfortunately my husband doesn't eat that kind of chocolate and the chocolate that's in my fridge is is pretty white and pretty crap. <laughs> so well, that's just whole block of it that's, well, that's the thing because that's that's food with no breaks like they have actually manufactured that in a lab to to make you just have no off switch for it haven't they so you, of course you're going to mm. binge when you eat that kind of stuff but when you do get the beautiful dark 90 percent cacao you're like two squares and you're out like i'm done oh yeah <laughs> and i love my chocolate i've got a chocolate recipe in the book and it's so good to Ooh. be i make that when i have a dinner party or i go to someone's house something like that it's just the most it's beautiful chocolate and people just think you're amazing because you've made it, even though it's the, the world's easiest thing. Um, Making your own chocolate so, is so yeah, easy, it isn't it? I'm always things. amazed by it. I'm looking for your chocolate. Yes. Now I'm oh, give yeah. It you would know. Ooh, there's a hot chocolate mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, chocolate bites, <laughs> chocolate mousse. Oh, you do like chocolate. Oh, yes, good. Oh, me too. Oh, good. I'm going to be trying, mm. <laughs> trying some of those. So... Lizzie, if we want to hang out with you, like what, how can we, obviously you've got your book, Two Minute Moves, and you've got your Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube, and your website, which is all Two Minute Moves. What ways can we work with you or get more Lizzie in our lives? Well, if you want me to work with you just in your home, then, you know, you need to turn on YouTube 
just two-minute moves, TWO, minute moves, and find some videos there or, like you say, on the two-minute moves, Instagram or Facebook. Um, so I've got thousands of videos there that you can easily access. And then I guess the other big thing that I, I do is I get out on, on stages and get everyone up and moving and, and energised. So if you're thinking, oh, gosh, I always go to this, conferences and events and I'm sitting down all day and I start to get really tired and uncomfortable my body and would be so great to just have these breaks of movement or dancing then that's what I do so you could certainly get in touch with me and, and I'd love to talk to you about that awesome and where can we get our hands on your book best way really is to go to two minute moves.com TWO minute moves or the other one will get you there as well and you can either buy directly from the website or if you Google Two Minute Moves book, it's up on, you know, Booktopia, it's in Big W, it's, it's all around the place oh, and hopefully yeah. you can still get it at your local bookstore as well. Congratulations, you in Big W, that's amazing. Ooh, so clever, you're so clever. Oh, my goodness. Well, it happened and I walked in and I didn't know, uh, I knew it was going to be there, I didn't know where it was going to be and I remember walked in and I filmed myself doing it and getting a book out there is just so much work and mm -hmm. energy and a roller coaster and exhausting and you just think it's ugh, never going to happen and and then when i walked in and i panned across and there was you know a couple of big names can't remember who it was <laughs> and there was michelle bridges oh. and then there was me and i was just like yes you made it something that felt like yeah it was a big mountain to climb but there it was and there's moments like that I think when we're working so hard on, on things and and going for it and hustling just to have some little wins in there like that it it really it helps to keep you going that's for sure that's a huge win like it's huge you know and and I think um having a book I mean you just make it look so easy when you flick through this you're like yeah I just wrote a bit you know five o'clock every day just did some voice memos and, and it seriously is just a stunning book and um, I love it. It's just gorgeous. You're, you're going to love, um, everyone's going to love flicking through it. So it's a huge, huge, huge achievement. So well done to you. Now, before we finish, Lizzie, is there any final message that you want to leave our listeners with today when it comes to um, movement or lifestyle in general? Remember when that, voice comes up in your head that excuses voice as I call it mm. that uh, I don't have the time today I don't have the energy I've got all these big deadlines to do my, my kids are sick I'm just not feeling that great I don't have the motivation whatever it is that you can talk back to that voice and say something as simple as well do you have two minutes do you have less than two minutes what is it that you could do right now to put that oxygen mask on, not even for an hour or half an hour if you don't have it. How can you just get that little hit of, of oxygen, those little hits of endorphins, serotonin, feelings of strength? Because I know for a fact, and I've seen it in so many other people, that those moments do really, really count. And they have the ability to really to change your life and to help you get the most out of your day, not only for yourself, but certainly for my life. It's helped me so much to be there with my kids, be present with them and, and the people around me that I love. 
Awesome. Lizzie, thank you so much. You're just absolutely divine and you're an absolute inspiration. I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.